Bienvenue and welcome back to the Land of Desire. I'm your host, Diana, and I'm really excited about this month's episode because I get to combine two of my biggest passions, French history and women's figure skating of the 1990s. Like so many other millennial babies, I grew up watching women's figure skating at what was maybe its peak. Christy Yamaguchi, Oksana Bayul, Tara Lipinski, Michelle Kwan, Nancy Kerrigan, and more. It was a golden age, and the whole world was watching, especially at the Winter Olympics. Every four years, everyone dropped what they were doing to watch these so-called ice princesses take to the rink with their axles, toe loops, and spins that seemed to go on forever. But there's one skater whose talent was a bit harder to measure. Those who watched her skate at the time still remember what she accomplished, but she isn't often included in the highlight reels, and the jury is still out on her career's narrative arc. Was she a fierce innovator who focused on athleticism over grace? Or was she simply a poor skater with an attitude problem? Was she the victim of institutional racism? Or was she just ahead of her time? This week, we're re-examining the unusual and uncertain legacy of one of France's greatest female figure skaters ever, Surya Bonali. She lacks artistic refinement. She's a sore loser. History will forget her unless she wins the Worlds or Olympics. She and her omnipresent mother flubbed the big things, and they evince god-awful taste in hairstyling, costumes, music, and choreography. Plus, they don't play the game by kowtowing to judges and skating officials. So wrote Sports Illustrated, and if you asked 100 people to identify the figure skater they're talking about, I think 99 people would give the same answer, Tanya Harding. But they would be wrong. The skater in question was Surya Bonali, then a 22-year-old skater and France's greatest hope for a women's Olympic figure skating medal in over 40 years. Surya and Tanya had a lot in common. It's true. They both came from lower-income, eccentric families, they were famous for their powerful moves and awkward landings, and they were definitely cultural outsiders in the rich, waspy world of women's figure skating. Tanya Harding's career has received a lot of attention recently, leading other 90s figure skating fans asking, where's the story of Surya? But when Sports Illustrated wrote those words in 1995, nobody yet knew how Surya's story would end. Depending on the beholder, the article went, Surya Bonali is the most gifted and athletic figure skater in the world today, or she is a unique but squandered talent whose career seems destined to stall at also-ran status if she fails. Nobody knew if Surya was destined for greatness or obscurity. In 1985, a small crowd gathered on the ice of the Jean Bouin ice rink in Nice. Didier Gaillaguet surveyed the men and women in front of him as he began preparing drills and exercises for the day. While the skaters may have impressed and awed the local spectators with their smooth warm-up laps around the rink, Didier was frustrated. This was the French national team gearing up for another year on the European Championship circuit, and once again it looked to be a disappointing bunch. 
While France boasted a number of champion ice dancers and Paris skaters, and they had some pretty amazing men's individual skaters, women's figure skating was not exactly a source of national pride. Worldwide interest in women's figure skating seemed to get bigger every year, but attention always focused on the biggest and best competitors: the United States, Japan, and of course the Soviet Union. The team assembled in front of him had grace and talent, but they lacked spirit. He struggled to push them beyond their limits. While he might see a few medals from the European Championships, maybe a few competitors of the worlds, Didier had few hopes for the next Winter Olympics, three years in the future. While he put his skaters through their paces, a young girl carefully stepped out onto the ice. This little girl was about ten years old. With dark black skin and lively eyes, as the girl made her way onto the ice, a woman from the stands motioned to Didier. Suzanne Bonali, she introduced herself. My daughter wants to practice, but your group is taking up every space on the ice. Could she have an hour on the ice this afternoon? Amused, Didier watched as the girl skated around the ice. Faster and faster, the young girl lapped the ice rink. While Suzanne told Didier her daughter's story, in 1974, Suzanne and Georges Bonali adopted an eight-month-old girl from an orphanage here in Nice. Suzanne, a PE teacher, and Georges, a draftsman, were eccentric, bohemian types. They'd spent the last few years road tripping all the way from Europe to India. They named their daughter Surya, Sanskrit for the sun. The three had moved into a ramshackle shepherd's hut in the outskirts of Nice, without running water or electricity, where they raised Surya and twenty-six goats. I lived in the countryside, Surya recalled in an interview. We did not have television. We made our own honey and our own goat cheese. I loved this life so much. Surya had responsibilities on the farm, but she also had freedom to pursue wide-ranging interests, including the flute, diving, and above all, gymnastics. Surya was uncommonly talented for her age, and by the time she and her mother drove up to the skating rink that day in 1985, Surya had already participated in junior championship tumbling competitions. But her gymnastics training carried over onto the ice. She was strong. She was flexible. And she was fearless. While gymnasts practiced over padded mats, Surya had no hesitation attempting the same moves over rock-solid ice. In 1984, Surya had first become interested in figure skating after watching the great East German skater Katarina Witt perform at the Sarajevo Winter Olympics. Inspired by Witt's routine, Surya attempted a double axel at the age of nine and promptly broke her ankle. She'd spent the whole summer in a cast. Suzanne said, practicing the flute. Today would be one of Surya's first days back on the ice. As Didier watched, the young girl gathered speed, spinning and leaping across the rink. Suddenly, to his astonishment, Surya leapt into the air and attempted another double axel. While it was a bit of a shaky landing. Didier was stunned to see the little girl try a double axel on a broken ankle caused by another double axel. This was the kind of spirit his team needed. He knew. France, he recalled in a recent documentary, had no hard fighters. Didier leaned in towards Suzanne. 
The French national team would be here practicing for the next three weeks. Syria should come and practice with them. It was an absurd request to make of a young girl, but Syria and Suzanne showed up every single day, and by the time the national team left Nice, Syria landed a double axle and a triple jump. Didier told the Bonali family in no uncertain terms, move to Paris, train with me, you could be great. As Surya remembers, it wasn't an easy decision. She was still training in gymnastics, still learning how to fence, still enjoying the bucolic splendor of her countryside home. But the next year, Surya made the decision. The Bonali family was moving to Paris. By the age of 12, Surya was training with the national team. The first two years were rough, she remembers. The reception in Paris was not nice, and the other girls envied me a bit because I knew how to do a lot of different sports. But when you're stuck in one gear, you can't shift out of it. In 1987, a curious sight began popping up at European figure skating competitions. Making their way through the parking lot, figure skating fans saw a raggedy RV covered in dirt. Sometimes the door would open, and out would pour a hippie man and woman with matching long gray hair, a young black preteen girl, and five enormous slobbering Great Danes. Surya, her parents, and their traveling menagerie drove all over the continent, recalling her parents' long-distance road trips. But as Surya's talent grew, there were more and more competitions to win. Under Didier's training and Suzanne's watchful coaching, Surya ascended through the ranks of French figure skating until, in 1989, she made her debut at the World Championships. The media took one look at Surya's skin, her RV full of Great Danes, and her bravery on the ice, and they knew they had a great story on their hands. But exactly what story did they have? Who was Surya Bonali? According to TV and radio, this young phenom apparently traced her origins back to the tiny island of Reunion, near Madagascar. Far away from ice and snow, the story went, Surya had been born on a beach full of coconuts. After the Monalis adopted her, Surya's life became a bizarre bohemian experiment. She ate a macrobiotic diet, including bird seed. She never cut her hair. If you're thinking these rumors sound suspiciously racist, like some sort of exotic fantasy of a weird white person, you're not wrong. These stories were fed to the press by none other than Surya's coach, Didier Gayoguet. I made them up he told Sports Illustrated a few years later. They wrote that reunion thing like crazy, because that's what you want to hear, no? It's a good story. We did that together, me and Suzanne. We said Surya came from Nice, but her biological parents came from reunion. Really, we had no idea. A white coach telling reporters that the only black woman in figure skating was born on a beach full of coconuts is some Truly old-school Josephine Baker in a banana skirt racism. And if you think people have written entire theses about this particular media moment, you're correct. But whatever the rumors swirling about her ethnic heritage, Surya controlled the narrative that year by taking 10th place at Worlds. Her career was about to explode, and everything seemed to be within her reach.
By the dawn of the 1990s, Surya Bonali was the most exciting female figure skater in France. She was sensational in every way. Her routines offered a spectacle for the eyes, with brightly colored costumes inspired by one of her heroes, the sprinter Flojo, and routines that offered more jumps and tricks than anyone else's. In 1990, Surya moved into ninth place at Worlds, and the next year she made it all the way up to fifth. In 1991, Surya took home the gold medal at the European Championships, the first French woman in history to do so. She was only getting better with every major competition, and the biggest test of her career was around the corner. In 1992, France couldn't believe its luck. The best female figure skater the nation had produced in decades arrived just in time to compete in the first Olympics hosted on French soil since 1968. It had been 40 years since a French woman had had a real shot at an Olympic figure skating medal. It seemed like destiny. Surya was the hometown hero. She was given the honor of taking the athlete's oath on behalf of all of the competitors during the opening ceremony. Spectators crowded the stands during her practice sessions, where she tested out tricks too risky to be allowed in regular competition. To the crowd's shock and delight, during one of her warm-up routines, Surya dug her toe into the ice and suddenly flipped backwards, her head only inches from the ice. She'd been performing the trick at exhibitions for years, a legacy from her days as a champion gymnast. It was easy to do the same backflip on the ice as she'd done on the mat. So long as she didn't think about what might happen if it all went terribly wrong, and from the judges' podium, it almost did. Surya performed her backflip only a few feet away from the Japanese star Midori Ito. A referee skated over to Surya and told her, in no uncertain terms, she was not allowed to do a backflip during warm-ups ever again. And why should she, when backflips had been banned from competition since 1976? Why were backflips banned from competition? It depends on who you ask. Some say it's just too damn dangerous. Others say it was too tacky, turning world-class figure skating into a Vegas sideshow. Another reigning theory argued that all figure skating jumps must be landed on one foot, and all the backflips performed in competition before the ban had been landed with a bit of a thud on both feet. Regardless of the reasons, Surya's backflip drew cheers from the crowds and glares from the judges. As the referee said to the New York Times that day, "Of course, it was intimidation. Whether it was intentional or not, I don't know. But these people have enough problems putting their mental state in order without this kind of bashing going on. Even without a backflip, however, Surya's program seemed like a knockout. Eight triples, more than anybody else on the ice." And she had an ace up her sleeve, a quadruple toe loop. No woman had ever landed a quad in competition. But the same little girl willing to attempt a double axel on a broken ankle was now an 18-year-old determined to make figure skating history. But could she pull it off in competition? And more importantly, would it be enough to please the judges? On February 22, 1992. Surya prepared to step out onto the rink. As she prepared her body and mind, Didier suddenly came over to issue a warning: "Don't do the quad. You're not ready. It's too risky." 
but Surya was determined. Everyone favored the two American champions, Christy Yamaguchi and Nancy Kerrigan, who combined technical precision with grace and elegance. When it came to Surya's own routines, she knew she lacked a certain finesse, that special something, what the French might call a je ne sais quoi. Like Tanya Harding, warming up on the sidelines at that moment, Surya knew the judges looked down on her idiosyncratic background, her eccentric parents, and her outsider status. The judges hated her Flojo-inspired costumes, so to please them, Surya wore a beautiful costume designed by none other than the French designer Christian Lacroix. No one could fault her appearance. Except, of course, there was always the unspoken question of her skin. Though Surya has always denied she was treated unfairly because of her race, she was without doubt the only black figure skater in elite competition at the time, in a sport famously predominated by white, rich girls from good families. Under the scoring system of the time, everyone was graded out of six, regardless of the difficulty of their routine. There was nothing to say that doing eight pretty good toe loops instead of seven would earn her higher scores than someone else doing six toe loops to perfection. The only way she'd have a shot at the medal, Surya figured, was to knock the judge's socks off. If she landed the quad in competition, she'd be too good to ignore. Rattled from her argument with Didier, Surya sought out her other most important mentor, Suzanne. But to her surprise, the officials said no. I was very disturbed, Surya told reporters that night, that my mother was not allowed by the ice. I am used to seeing her. I lost my concentration. That night, Surya launched into the air, rotating into a quad, and landed a triple. She didn't realize it at first, raising her fists in victory while Didier jumped for joy, but the judges were already docking her for under-rotation when suddenly she fell on one of her toe loops. Then another. Attempting a triple lutz, she landed with a clumsy thud on both feet. Surya skated her own way out of contention. Christy Yamaguchi clinched gold. If Surya's warm-up backflip had indeed been meant to intimidate Midori Ito, the move backfired. Ito took home silver, while Surya left empty-handed. The hometown hero was a flop. The 18-year-old Surya was devastated, and before long, she parted ways with Didier. The coach who had discovered her, nurtured her, and trained her all the way to the Olympics had now let her down, she thought. He'd shaken her nerves at the worst possible moment. She needed a change. Surya acquired a new coach, the well-respected André Brunet, in time for the 1992 World Championships in Oakland. For the past three years, she'd climbed steadily up this ladder. Tenth? Ninth? Then fifth place. But that year, she capped off her disastrous Olympics appearance with an eleventh-place finish at the World Championships, her worst ever. Within a week, Andre resigned. He declared the experiment a failure, and he leveled blame at one culprit in particular, Suzanne Bonnelli. With Mrs. Bonnelli, Brunet told the press rather ungallantly, work is impossible. We cannot move forward with two coaches. Every day, Suzanne and Surya had been an inseparable duo, with Suzanne contradicting and often countermanding Brunet's coaching. 
Her mother didn't leave her alone for a moment during the warm-up at Oakland, Brunet declared. That month, an editorial in L'Humanité commented with a sentence, Brunet only confirms, alas, what we knew for a long time. The entourage of the champion of Champigny-Germain is decidedly not compatible with a life of an elite athlete competing for the highest steps of the podium. Brunet's criticism was harsh, but it was also hopeful. In remarks which would be repeated over and over by others in the years ahead, Brunet warned his ex-student, Her possibilities are immense. We can make her a great champion. But you have to work with professionals and with no one else. Following Brunet's swift departure, Suzanne Bonali assumed the role of her daughter's full-time coach. Things seemed to be turning around. In 1993, Surya Bonali won her third straight gold medal at the European Championships, and she consistently landed more combinations than all of her competition. That year, at the World Championships in Prague, Surya faced off against the Ukrainian champion Oksana Bayul. Surya performed a program of exceptional difficulty, landing all seven of her triples, along with multiple complex combination jumps. Oksana Bayul delivered a beautiful routine, but a simpler one, with only five triples and no combination jumps. But once again, Surya's technical bravado lost out to elegance. Oksana took home the gold. Still, Surya had achieved second place at the World Championships, her highest ranking yet, and her timing was perfect. In a move that left the figure skating world scrambling, the International Olympic Committee had decided to move the Winter Games so that they would no longer happen the same year as the Summer Games. Instead of being held in 1996, the next Winter Olympics would take place in just a few months, in Lillehammer, Norway. Didier Gaillaguet, Syria's former coach, was now the director of the French national Olympic team, and he warned Syria again, leave your mother behind or you'll just repeat history. In 1994, the entire world focused its attention on women's figure skating. At the beginning of the year, Tanya Harding's idiot husband paid someone to attack her rival, Nancy Kerrigan. The drama was irresistible, America's ice queen crying, Why me? while the rough and tough Tanya pleaded innocence. Back in France, however, most of the attention was on Syria. Could she pull it off this time? Could a French woman actually take home a figure skating medal for the first time? After Tanya Harding exited in disgrace during the preliminary round, there were now three skaters in real medal contention. Nancy, Oksana, and Surya. The LA Times declared Oksana and Surya both eminently capable of winning her country's first gold medal in this event. But the same criticism that had dogged Tanya Harding attached itself to Surya. They were too gauche, too athletic, too much. As the New York Times noted, the International Skating Union prefers a more traditional, classical style of skating to an athletic style. That approach would seem to favor the elegance and completeness of Kerrigan and Bayul over the muscular jumping of Harding and Bonali. Sure enough, Oksana and Nancy skated the routines of their lives. 
all long limbs and elegant hands, beautifully executed jumps and swelling violin music. Surya failed twice at the triple lutz, her signature move, and she knew at once she'd once again knocked herself off the podium. She left Lillehammer in fourth place. It was a crushing blow. Surya had been a real gold medal contender. Until all of a sudden, she wasn't. In the month between the Winter Games and that year's World Championships, Surya retreated from the public eye, practicing in a private rink and avoiding the press. But while Surya trained, the French press went into overdrive. The media wanted blood, and they knew who they wanted it from. Once again, a narrative took shape around an old villain, Suzanne Bonnelly. As early as 1992, following Surya's disappointment at the 92 Olympic Games, the media bestowed a nickname on Suzanne Bonnelly, the Dragon Lady. The Seattle Times wrote shortly after Surya's disappointing routine that Suzanne was the ultimate stage mother and has made enemies in every camp from the French press to her daughter's own coach. Long after Surya and Didier parted ways, Didier continued to trash Suzanne in the press. As he oh-so-helpfully told newspapers just before her skate in the 1994 Olympics, Suzanne is putting a lot of pressure on her kid, sometimes too much pressure. It is stupid. It doesn't really help her. It has been a problem the last two years. We need not to have the mother in the way. He may have been right, but it wasn't exactly the gallant thing for an ex-mentor to say to the press. By the time of Surya's fourth-place finish in Lillehammer, Suzanne was a dreaded figure in the French figure skating community. The official French figure skating federation searched for yet another new coach for Surya, and almost everyone they approached said they'd be honored to coach the promising young star, just so long as her mom butted out. But Suzanne and Surya refused. Once again, Didier was on hand for media commentary that nobody asked for. He said, It's a scandal. I have seen Suzanne yell. Miss the program? She slaps her, hits her in the face with hockey sticks. Physical abuse? That's a hell of a claim to make. And Surya was torn between outrage and laughter when asked about it. You're joking, right? She told the press. This is not true. No one else has ever corroborated Didier's accusations. Surya has always denounced them, and considering his long history of flamboyant lies, I'm inclined to believe Surya. Though we are like two, she told the press, we are really like one. And even in the gossip circles, Didier's comments seem to have crossed a line. Gaia Gay's remarks were extraordinary, Sports Illustrated wrote that year, coming from a man who should be willing to do anything to ensure Bonali's success. But why help Surya when you could attack her mom in the press? One particularly hysterical French TV show even accused Suzanne of using coded sign language to override the instructions of Surya's other coaches. But time and again, Surya defended her mother and insisted on her close presence. Meanwhile, Suzanne defended herself from Didier from the press, and from the world of women's figure skating. In 1992, when she had first been dubbed the Dragon Lady, Suzanne didn't understand what she was doing wrong. After all, Surya had only just turned 18. Surya was young, 
She was under a lot of pressure, and she was always the only black person in the room, ever. Wasn't it natural for a mother to want to be a constant source of support for her daughter during vulnerable moments? American journalists noted that Suzanne was maybe guilty of nothing more than being a hippie. In a materialistic, high-fashion world where even the Zamboni driver wears a tuxedo, Suzanne Bonali prefers blue jeans and a face unadorned by makeup. Perhaps the biggest sin of all to the French hearts and minds? Suzanne and the entire Bonali family were vegetarians. Surya's father defended his wife in the press. Everyone criticizes her for being too present, but is she her mother, yes or no? Do you think that the other coaches are not that present? Ask other skaters what their life is like, and you will see that they are never left alone. Just as Tanya attracted attention for her chain-smoking, rough-edged mother, Surya's career was often overshadowed by the media's obsession with her zen-minded bohemian mom. As Surya departed from the Olympic Village, she was already looking towards the 1994 World Championships. This time, she decided, things would be different. Much like Tanya Harding had done a few years earlier, Surya vowed to give the judges whatever they wanted. If they wanted graceful, she'd give them graceful. If they wanted demure and feminine, well, by golly, she was going to give them demure and feminine. Only a few weeks ago, Surya had watched from the stands as Oksana Bayul, Nancy Kerrigan, and Chin Lu took home the Olympic medals. Exhausted and triumphant, all three medalists opted not to compete in the world championships halfway around the world in Chiba, Japan. So, to Surya's eyes, no one stood between her and the gold medal now. In Chiba, Surya skated to perfection. She gave up on her most muscular, powerful movements, including the quad. No backflips. In perhaps the most obvious moment of racial subjugation in her career, Surya cut off her signature thick braid because the judges didn't like how she styled her hair. Her routine was clean, a traditional combination of well-executed jumps and graceful transitions. She nailed the triple lutz, and no fewer than six triples. Her scores ticked in, ranging from 5.5 to 5.9 out of 6. Surya was tied with the hometown favorite, Japan's Yuka Sato. Surya had done everything she could. She'd landed her jumps, she'd adapted her style, her clothes, even her hair, and now everything came down to the judges' tiebreaker vote. It was 5-4. to four. Surya lost. Could it ever have gone another way? Yuka Sato was the local pride and joy. She was also the right kind of skater. Every piece of sports journalism from 1994 describes Surya's competition as though they were all genetically predisposed to victory. In February, during the European Championships, the New York Times had called Oksana Bayul innately graceful while criticizing Surya's artistic weakness. And this was describing a competition that Surya went on to win. Grace was something that Oksana Bayul was simply born with, gifted at birth, rather than something Oksana Bayul presumably trained very, very hard to obtain. But of course, if grace is innate, 
Well, then there is simply no way that someone like Syria would obtain it. And oh boy, do I wonder why they might think that. Now, Yuka Sato was praised and arbitrarily awarded a gold medal after performing an easier routine than Surya had. Surya had had enough. During the award ceremony, she stood next to the podium rather than on it. When she was bestowed the silver medal, she quickly removed it, at which point the stadium erupted with boos. Mobbed by reporters on her way back to the locker rooms, Surya protested, It's not right. I don't know what I have to do. It's crazy. To a world which had just gone through an exhausting year of Ice Princess drama, the protest was nothing more than a temper tantrum, or worse. Surya's protest brought more comparisons with Tanya Harding, who was then pleading guilty to hindering prosecution, as though protesting a judging decision and having a bit of a temper tantrum was somehow comparable with assault. The news articles were dripping with racial dog whistles, including this astonishingly offensive quote from the Associated Press, which I will repeat in full because you would not believe it otherwise. More training money means you don't have to be well-heeled to participate, said Michael Rosenberg, an agent who represents top figure skaters. These changes are bringing more diversity to the sport. The sport of figure skating has a higher percentage of well-educated, intelligent, nice people from nice families in it. With the big TV money and big federation money, that means a broader spectrum of people in it. There will be kooks, rebels, interesting people. Hear that, everybody? Figure skating used to be for well-educated, intelligent people from nice families, before you people got into it. Here's hoping someone accidentally threw a skate at that guy's head somewhere along the way. After her protest at the 1994 World Championships, Surya's future was cloudy. She considered dropping out and turning pro. Just in case, she picked up her backflips during practice again, getting them ready for the pro exhibition circuit where she might dazzle the crowds with her so-called showbiz move that the judges hated so much. In 1995, Surya won her fifth straight European championships, despite having a broken right toe, an achievement which went mostly unnoticed in a country which had never even won a European championship ever before Surya came along. At the moment Sports Illustrated published its article about Surya and her unique but squandered talent, she stepped up her training in preparation for the world championships. For the third year in a row, Surya had a real chance at gold. And for the third year in a row, she came in second place. And for the third year in a row, Surya lost by one judge and one-tenth of a point. It was so arbitrary. All of the attention that year went to a young breakout star, Michelle Kwan, who drew standing ovations and column inches, despite coming in fourth place. None of the articles about the 1996 World Championships say anything about Surya's program. They only mention the fact that she accepted her silver medal with a smile this time. Michelle Kwan received a new moniker. She was the future of figure skating. Only a few years after she had launched her elite competitive career, Surya was already part of figure skating's past. 
The following season marked the beginning of the end. For the first time in her life, Surya came in second at the European Championships and fifth at the World Championships. The next year, Surya tore her Achilles tendon during a training session. Unable to walk for four months, Surya resolved to train on one foot. The Figure Skating Federation didn't even want to send her to the European Championships because she was so injured. But Surya managed to argue her way onto the team, where she had a ninth-place finish. In 1997, Surya didn't even go to the World Championships. As she looked towards the 1998 season and the upcoming Winter Olympic Games in Nagano, Japan, Surya knew it was her last chance, her swan song. And this time, she decided, she was going to compete on her terms. Armed with two new coaches, Surya built her way back from injury and managed to qualify for one final Olympic Games by the skin of her teeth. On her way to Nagano, Surya knew she didn't have any chance at a medal. She was too injured, too notorious, and now, at the age of 24, she was too old. Everyone understood Nagano would be a showdown between the two teen sensations, Michelle Kwan and Tara Lipinski. As the LA Times put it so delicately, skaters like Surya have no real chance for the top prize, but are invited along anyway to help pad out the evening's entertainment, like old-timers games held before the Dodgers host the Giants. Nevertheless, during the short program, Surya landed a beautiful routine. She was the only woman on the ice that night to land a triple-triple combination. But once again, the judges seemed to find faults, and she didn't receive any scores higher than a 5.3. How did she get such low scores after landing one of the hardest routines of the night? Because I'm French, and they prefer other ones? I don't know, Surya said, shrugging her shoulders wearily. After ten years, I am used to it. I am tired of crying, crying, crying. Surya went into the final night of competition in a sixth-place position. Friday night, the long program would be the final amateur competition of her career. Wearing a sparkling ice blue costume and the thick braid of her earlier career, Surya stepped out onto the ice to the sound of her signature tune, Vivaldi's Four Seasons. As millions of viewers watched around the world, Surya slid across the ice one last time, spinning, stretching, gliding and leaping into the air. She was a little clumsy that night, her old foe, gracefulness, sometimes deserting her when she needed to move within a combination. Her right leg, so recently recovered, throbbed with pain only a few seconds into her routine. The crowd was lackluster, and they offered tepid applause when she landed her jumps. Early into the program, Unable to overcome the pain of her weak Achilles tendon, Surya fell during what was supposed to be her signature move, the triple lutz. But she shook it off and she continued skating, because after tonight, she would have a new signature. After more than 10 years of competition, Surya knew she would never beat the Michelle Kwans and Nancy Kerrigans at their own game. She wasn't graceful, and perhaps she couldn't be, 
Perhaps that had been denied the moment she'd been born black, or the moment her mom showed up to competition in a dog-filled RV, or the moment someone first murmured the word coconuts to the press. But maybe someday, another day, the world might be different. Maybe figure skating would be different. Maybe there would be room in figure skating for someone like Surya, strong, muscular, fearless. Maybe the rules would be different someday, and more women would be able to skate the way Surya did. Just in case that day ever came, Surya knew she wanted to be the first. With 30 seconds left in her program, skating backwards across the rink, Surya dug her toe pick into the ice, ignoring the pain in her legs, launching herself into the air, Surya flung herself backward, her head sweeping inches away from the ice before landing with confidence, courage, and yes, grace on one defiant left foot. It was a milestone in figure skating history broadcast live around the world, the first one-footed landing backflip. Was it banned? Yes. But maybe one day it wouldn't be. The judges had said it was showbiz. Well, maybe she was showbiz. The judges had said it was dangerous. Well, didn't that come with the territory? The judges had said it wasn't a jump if she landed on both feet. Well, fine. She'll land it on one. Sailing around the rink as the crowd leapt to their feet, Surya smiled wide before drawing her body into one last infinite spin. Slowing to a finish, Surya raised her hands high above her head as flowers rained down on the ice. Resting on the sidelines between her coach and her mother, Surya watched the scores roll in. She'd hoped that maybe, maybe, if she landed her backflip on one foot, the judges would count it as a jump. But they rejected the backflip and they deducted points from her score. That day, the French judge was approached by another delegate, who complained that Surya had behaved unacceptably. The French judge replied, Ah, but she did so well for all of these years. Consigned to tenth place, Surya shrugged her shoulders. At the end of the Nagano Games, she announced her retirement from amateur competition. She was done playing the game. It was time to turn pro and do the kind of skating she wanted to do the kind of skating the world wanted to see. When I, Tanya came to theaters in 2017, a terrific movie, by the way, two thumbs up, Surya's name began popping up in think pieces about the film. Surely, if we're going to be out here rehabilitating the reputations of misunderstood underdogs, couldn't we start with the one who isn't famous for, you know, maybe kneecapping her opponent? Why not focus on Surya, whose most infamous career highlight was not an act of violence, but an act of courage when she channeled her frustration and desperation into a moment so transcendent no one has ever attempted it since. What's more, while Tanya fled the world of figure skating in disgrace, Surya's transition into exhibition skating simply launched a new phase of her figure skating career. 
She spent 15 years as a consummate professional skater, touring with Champions on Ice and performing in front of crowds at Madison Square Garden. On the exhibition circuit, Surya's so-called showbiz moves delighted audiences, and her colleagues estimate she completed over 500 of her infamous backflips over the course of her career. Never once did she fall. Over the years, America's frenzy for figure skating died down, and there wasn't as much money to be had doing gigs like Champions on Ice. At the age of 40, Surya performed her final backflip on ice, and then she hung up her skates for good. While Surya dazzled the crowds, changes were brewing back in the world of French competitive figure skating. After 10 years of suffering under arbitrary, inscrutable judging, Surya got an indirect form of revenge when her old enemies ended up in a scandal of Olympic proportions. In the 2002 Salt Lake City Winter Olympics, the first since Surya's backflip into retirement, in the pairs figure skating final, the Canadian competitors outskated the Russians so much that their victory was declared before they'd even finished their routine. When the judges announced their scores, everyone was outraged. The TV commentators, the crowds, even world leaders. Despite performing a more difficult routine, the Canadians had lost one judge, one fraction of a point, because of the artistry of their routine. A familiar story to anyone who had been following Surya's career over the past decade. This time, however, everyone smelled something fishy. Before long, the French judge broke down. It was a deal with the Russians, she said. She'd been pressured to vote for the Russian pair to win, and in exchange, the Russian judge would vote for the French favorites in that week's ice dancing finals, giving France a shot at a figure skating medal. But the most shocking part of the French judge's confession was her revelation of the person who had pressured her to make the deal. None other than the president of French figure skating, Surya's old coach, good old Didier Gaillaguet. After the Olympics, Didier and the French judge resigned in disgrace. He was stripped of his leadership of the French Ice Sports Federation and barred from the 2006 Winter Olympic Games. Somehow, he managed to get himself re-elected into the same presidency in 2007, where he's been ever since. But a few months ago, French figure skating dissolved into a new scandal. Dozens of French figure skaters have stepped forward in 2020 to accuse their coaches in the 1990s of abuse. And once again, Didier was assumed to be at the heart of the cover-up. Didier resigned in disgrace again this summer, though he is now suing the French Ministry of Sports for lost wages. It remains to be seen whether anything can pry that terrible barnacle off of figure skating for good. In the fallout of the 2002 judging scandal, the International Skating Union worked frantically to repair trust in their sport by introducing a new scoring system. In the new scoring system, Arbitrary decisions about gracefulness would be scrapped in favor of a point system which rewarded skaters for attempting technically complex routines. Lots of traditional fans worried that this spelled the end of the sport. Will we never have elegant skaters like Michelle Kwan again? 
Will figure skating turn into a glorified tumbling on ice? Wherever you stood on the matter, one thing was clear. Surya had been ahead of her time. The new system favored everything Surya was good at. Athleticism, bravery, innovation. And it disfavored everything Surya was bad at. Innate gracefulness. We can only wonder how Surya's career might have turned out if she'd only started it a few years later. But Surya herself has no regrets. Now splitting her time between Las Vegas and Minnesota, Surya is a coach and mentor. She continues to give terrific interviews and makes guest appearances on podcasts, where she re-examines her own career with the accumulated wisdom of the years. Surya is now engaged to a five-time U.S. Nationals gold medalist pairs skater who figured out an excellent way to Surya's heart, start by winning over Suzanne. In the past few years, Surya has been busy traveling the world, undergoing surgery to treat years of accumulated skating injuries, and even accepting a stint on France's Dancing with the Stars. Last year, Surya got an hour in the spotlight with an episode of the Netflix series, Losers, where new generations discovered her backflip for the first time. In 2019, Surya received the Legion of Honor. She remains the only French individual skater to have won the European Championships. And with her three consecutive silvers, Surya still has more World Championship medals than any other French individual skater. Surya Bonali remains the only skater in history to land a one-footed backflip in competition. Thanks for listening to The Land of Desire. For those about to disappear into a YouTube wormhole watching women's figure skating from the 90s, I salute you. I also really recommend watching Surya's episode on the Netflix miniseries, Losers. Surya is active on social media, and I get a kick out of her Instagram account. I am proud to say that I think I can bake a better Madeline than she can, but in just about every other aspect of life, I think it is safe to say she is beating us all. Living well is the best revenge, n'est-ce pas? Keep an eye out for the next edition of the Land of Desire newsletter. And until next time, au revoir!